0: The title I'm sharing with you this morning is Discovering the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I yield myself to you right now as I declare your word. I believe that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because you have anointed me and I pray that I would minister under the anointing effectively. I pray for receptive hearts. I pray that your word would go forth and change and accomplish everything that you've purposed for it to accomplish We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Discovering the gifts of the Holy Spirit, this is the fourth and final part of our series. Please would you turn so long to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get there in a moment's time. Now, let me just say that something that I discovered in preparing for today is that Kenneth Hagin made this statement, he says, I have never seen in the Word of God where the gifts of the Holy Spirit were taken away. (laughs) I thought that's interesting. Yet some people, some denominations live as though the gifts of God were taken away. I want to tell you the gifts of the Spirit of God have not been taken away. They are for now, in this day and age, they are for the church of Jesus Christ to cause us to be highly effective at the kingdom expansion that God wants us to be involved in. So in previous teachings, we considered the first six of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today we will look at the last three gifts. And uh, the the first one is one point, and then the last two of those three is uh, two in one point because they're so closely connected. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a passage that we are getting to know really very well right now. Okay, and I love the fact that we're getting to know this passage. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through to 11. This is Paul, the apostle, a man who had a love for the church, for growing the church. He's writing to the church at Corinth, instructing them concerning the gifts. And in verse 1, Paul says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Jump to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And I'd like to suggest to you that God would love to, through all of His children, allow all of the gifts to be operational at different points in time. I believe that we can experience all of the gifts in operation. As the Spirit stirs in a a given meeting or a given situation, He stirs that gift within you, and you can be used in any of the gifts. And it says, verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Just to pause there, I wanna say, the gifts of God are the manifestation of the Spirit. Therefore, we should desire them. Verse 8 begins to list all of these nine gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And then the two we focused on last week. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And now on to the three for today. To another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And we say, Thank you, God, for your word. The Lord bless the reading of His holy word. So let's explore the last three gifts of the Spirit. Do you want to explore the last three gifts? Here we go. Point number one, the gift of discerning of spirits. Please say this out aloud with me. The gift of discerning of spirits. One more time, a little louder. The gift of discerning of spirits. Here it is. This is time to learn. I want to say about this gift that this gift is greatly needed by God's people in this day and age. It is greatly needed, and it is possibly even neglected. And I believe that it will become more essential as we get more into the last of the last days. This gift will be so much more necessary, perhaps, than ever before. Because Scripture makes it clear that there will be many false prophets that arise. But if you've got the discerning of spirits, God can help you out of that. People will also, according to Scripture, be given to deceiving of spirits. And also, the Bible even says, some will be given to the doctrines of demons. That's terrible stuff. How we need the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is very, very important. Now, I want to say, folks, that in this city, in the city of Pretoria, there are some false prophets operating in the city. Do you realize that? Do you know about that? There are some false prophets operating. They are imposters, they are charlatans, they are defrauding people financially. They are not in it truly because they love God. They are impostors. And in terms of this, uh, it amazes me how crowds will still gather, so many people will still gather to hear these people and to see what they do and the operations they perform. But I just want to say this, listen carefully. Just because supernatural things occur does not mean it comes from God. Some people say, well, there's spiritual things happening. It could be by demonic power that those things are taking place. And that's why we need the discerning of spirits. And we need to discern what is behind that manifestation. Or we need to discern what is behind that so-called prophet and what is going on there. And so I want to say, may God open our eyes that we would begin to see into the spiritual realm like never before. Matthew 7, verse 15 to 16, Jesus speaks and he He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves, and you will know them by their fruit. Some of these false prophets in our city have been in court and different things, and money laundering and stealing and so on. And I pray that those prophets would go back to where they came from in Jesus' name, and that they would be removed from this holy city of Pretoria in the name of Jesus, and that we would see more and more righteousness rise up in the city. Come on. Don't be quiet on me. You see, the discerning of spirits helps to, d- to protect the body of Christ. It really does. It helps to keep the church pure. It helps to keep the church free of unclean influences. Amen. And so here, in our text, keep it open, please, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it says, to another discerning of spirits. So here it is, the seventh gift of the spirit. Now, let me just say that there are uh, at least about three types of discernments that I am aware of. And I would say the three types of discernments are, number one, natural discernment. Number two, Christian discernment. Number three, the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, what is natural discernment? Well, it is the ability that we all possess to be able to distinguish between right and wrong, and this is based on our background, our upbringing, and our conscience. And so there is this ability in every human being. But this type of discernment is not always reliable because a person's upbringing and background might not be good and upright and wholesome. And therefore, they begin to believe that certain things are okay when they're not okay. But nonetheless, there is natural discernment. Secondly, there is Christian discernment. This is the ability that all Christians have to discern between good and evil. And this is based on the renewed nature when we become new creations in Christ. And it's based on our relationship with God. So praise God, we have Christian discernment. And this type of discernment should grow and it should develop as we come to know God more closely, as we delve into His Word, study His Word, get to know His Word. We become even more discerning in terms of Christian discernment. And then, thirdly, the third type of discernment is the gift of discerning of spirits. Uh, That is a special ability of God, which I want to say something about right now. Now, if we were to look at a definition for the spirit of discernment, I would suggest it is the divine ability to perceive what is happening in the spiritual realm and to recognize what kind of spirit is in operation. It's an important definition. I want to repeat it, the definition of the discerning of spirits, the divine ability to perceive what is happening in the spiritual realm and to recognize what kind of spirit is in operation. And when this takes place, it is like seeing right through a person, right through a situation, and you can see what is behind this. Because what faces you in the natural realm might be certain statements and people saying this, that, and the next thing. But with the discerning of spirits, you can realize oh, behind this, there is actually a spiritual realm, a spiritual force, and I need to be cognizant of that. And that's why it's also important to realize that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we need to be able to discern the spiritual realm and deal with it accordingly. So important. So it's like seeing right through the person and situation, understanding what is behind it. Now, let me give you a little example. Maybe you suddenly, unexpectedly at work, encounter conflict, and you can't figure what this is all about. Things were going pretty smooth with your colleagues and at work and so on, and all of a sudden, there's conflict here, conflict there, conflict there, and there were no real substantial issues to talk of, but there was conflict And then by the discerning of spirits, you realize, oh, there is a spirit of strife at work here. And you're a Christian believer in that company, and maybe yourself alone or with one or two other believers, you then take authority over that because you've discerned there's a spirit of strife. You take authority, you deal with it, and you break the power of that spirit of strife. And you will find that peace returns there. God wants you to be effective, child of God, at destroying the works of the devil. And sometimes to destroy the works of the devil, we need the discerning of spirits. Now, notice that this gift is called the discerning of spirits. Everybody say spirits. It's not the discerning of personality types. Or natural giftings or character traits, etc. It's the discerning of spirits. And this means that it is limited to revealing a certain category of things, spirits. Very interesting. You're discerning into the spirit realm and you're discerning spirits. Now, some folks are very good at reading people. And they've got a keen interest in uh, human nature and uh, they can read people very well. That is not the gift of discernment. That is an ability to be able to uh, understand people and kind of get a feel for how they are. But that is uh, not the spiritual gift of discernment. That is understanding human nature. Also, I just want to say that the discerning of spirits is not the fault-finding gift of the body of Christ. (laughs) Some people are pretty good at finding fault. We'll just bury that right now. It's not a gift from God, all right? But the discerning of spirits is a gift from God. Now, let me say that this gift, with this gift of discerning of spirits, we are able to discern evil things, but we are also able to discern good things in the spirit realm. Many people have mistakenly thought that this is only for detecting evil things, but that is a limited understanding into that situation. That's incomplete understanding because this can be a powerful way of detecting good that is taking place in the spiritual realm. Can I get an amen? Now, let me give you a few examples of discerning good in the spiritual realm. You could discern angels. Because angels, according to the Word of God, are ministering spirits. You could be driving along one day, all of a sudden in your car, you become aware by the discerning of spirits that there is an angel next to you in the car, and the Lord brings comfort and says, I will protect you. Wow. You could could be in a meeting together like this, and suddenly you discern the activity of angels and you tap your, your spouse or your person next to you and says, are you seeing it? There's angels beginning to sing with us. Can you see that? And the person next to you thinks like, what are you on about? But meanwhile, you're actually discerning. You're discerning the spiritual realm, and you're seeing angels that are actually taking place. Wow, angels that are actually happening all around us. Once again, let me clarify this. The gift of discerning of spirits is the the divine ability to perceive what is happening in the spiritual realm and to recognize what kind of spirit is in operation. You could also, in terms of discerning good, you could discern the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, where you know and you sense God's presence is being manifest here. And when we say something like this, I really felt the presence of God in church today, We're talking about discerning the Spirit of God. And the wonderful thing is that when we discern the presence of God, there will always be great joy that comes with that. There will always be great peace that comes with that. Another example of discerning good in the spiritual realm. Maybe you could discern that Father God is in our midst and He is manifesting the love of the Father in this place. And you have a really revelation of this. And you come and share the the, the word at the ministry mic here, and perhaps it gets released. And then there's this declaration. Folks, you need to realize that the love of Father is being poured out in this place. I've discerned this in the spiritual realm. And you watch what God can do. Because faith then comes as a result of that. So these are examples of discerning good. Now, examples of discerning evil in the spiritual realm. Perhaps you could discern a spirit of lust. Maybe you go into the gym. Somebody starts to become very friendly with you, and initially you just think, well, it's just, you know, I just want to be friendly and so on. But after a while, you realize there's actually something wrong. This is not just somebody that wants to have a relationship with me or something. There's something behind this person, and you discern there is a spirit of lust behind them. Or you could be in a situation where you discern there is a spirit of pride operating in this person's life. They're your friend. You've known them for a long time. But God shows you they're operating in a spirit of pride and God wants to use you to speak to that person, to challenge them in that regard. Or maybe God reveals to you, that somebody is operating in a spirit of manipulation. It might be in your home. It might be your daughter. It might be your son. It might be uh, the wife or the father, whoever it might be. By the way, the spirit of manipulation is referred to as the spirit of Jezebel. There's actually no such thing as the spirit of Jezebel. It's the spirit of manipulation. But because Jezebel was such a class A manipulator, (laughs) manipulation became known as the spirit of Jezebel. But I wanna tell you, God can reveal things to you, but then you need to take action and say, I will not allow anybody to be manipulating me. God has showed me this and I will stand against that also you could discern various principalities or powers in the spiritual realm. Like for instance, maybe you could be on a mission trip and you go to this particular area, and as you are there and you and a team are busy ministering on outreach, you suddenly discern, wow, there is a spirit of uh, witchcraft over this area. You discern it, you begin to deal with it so that God can give you the victory. And in terms of realizing and discerning these principalities and powers, that's just in line with Ephesians 6, where it talks about our spiritual warfare. And often when you discern an unclean spirit, there will be a sense of uneasiness within you. Because there's that uneasiness, because God wants you to deal with it. But when you discern the Spirit of God, when you discern angels, there's a whole lot of peace and joy in your heart. Can I hear an amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Now, in Acts 16, would you please take your Bible and turn with me to Acts 16, and we're going to look at verse 16, 17, and 18. This is an example of how the Apostle Paul operated in the discerning of spirits, and specifically, he discerned a spirit of divination. And uh, we find in Acts 16, verse 16 to 18, it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed With a spirit, everybody say spirit, of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. By the way, what she was saying was actually true, but it was coming from the wrong spirit, which makes it wrong. It goes on to say, and uh, she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, I would suggest that is an understatement. Paul was seriously exasperated and chipped off. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you to come out of her, uh, to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now notice that Paul didn't deal with the girl. He addressed the spirit. He spoke to that spirit of divination and he said, in Jesus' name, I command you to come out. And what was basically happening? Paul was operating in this gift of the spirit. The gift of discerning of spirits, praise the Lord. And you and I, we can also operate in the gift of discerning of spirits. Let me give you an example. God might reveal to you that in your company at work that there is a spirit of greed and of mammon in operation. And initially when you start working there, you don't even realize it and so on. But then over time, you start to realize something's not right. And and then you start to see in your own life that there's suddenly this desire. You just want money. You just want material possessions. You just want to rush up this corporate ladder and tramp on everybody else's feet. And you think, what is going on? But then the discerning of spirits helps you to see the light. And you see that there is a spirit of greed and a spirit of mammon. Firstly, you stand against it. In your own heart, you guard against it but then you take authority over it and you deal with the child of God, even if you are the only believer in that company, even if you've only been saved for six months because God has given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on. Hallelujah. (laughs) Too many people are waiting until they've been serving God for 10 years. I wanna tell you, Jesus trained His disciples to go cast out demons and only after that they came back And Jesus said, now I want to teach you how to pray. (laughs) First taught them how to cast out demons, then taught them how to pray. But let me tell you this, the realm of the Spirit is very real, and God has provided the gift of discerning of spirits to give us remarkable insight in this realm, and then that we would deal with things. Point number two, tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are the last two gifts. Say this out loud with me. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. tongues. We want to understand this gift as well. And back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, we see there, it says, to another, different kinds of tongues. There it is. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So here are the eighth and ninth gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say this and I want to declare this boldly. Folks, listen to me. The gift of tongues is real and it matters. I want to say that again. The gift of tongues is real and it matters. We should not dismiss it as some emotional experience or some emotional phenomenon. We must do that. We must not do that. Because if you do, you are making a mistake. And furthermore, you may be grieving the Holy Spirit, attributing beautiful spiritual things of the Spirit of God to emotional phenomenalism or something like that. We need to be careful. We do not want to grieve the Spirit of the Lord. I wanna say tongues is a wonderful gift from the Spirit of God, from our precious Holy Spirit, And we should desire every gift that God wants to give to us. Every one of these nine gifts of the Spirit that He wants to give to us. Now, a definition of the gift of tongues. Here it is. A heavenly unknown language that is given by impartation of the Holy Spirit. It's quite simple. The gift of tongues is a heavenly unknown language that is given by the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It can happen all by yourself in your time of worship of the Lord. It can happen by a fellow believer who is spirit filled laying hands on you, but it is an impartation which you cannot get other than by the person of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, verse 4, we see how it speaks about when. The baptism was poured out and tongues took place for the first time. Now, just to say, I don't have time to get into all the purpose and facet of tongues and all the details, but basically I'm wanting to emphasize today the definition of tongues and also that it is so important for us as the children of God. So Acts 2 verse 4, I'll just read it to you. This is the day of Pentecost. This is the Spirit about to be poured out and it says, And they were all filled with the Spirit, that's the baptism, and began to speak with other tongues, everybody say tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. One more verse in that chapter, verse 11, I want to read it from the NLT. It says, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. Now, in terms of this, I thought to myself, why? Why did God cause those 120 in the upper room to begin begin speaking in earthly languages or other foreign languages? Why wasn't it in that first time just spiritual unknown tongues? Because can you imagine these Galileans suddenly speaking in different languages from surrounding nations that were there for the feast of Pentecost. And so I think, Lord, why? Why did they speak in natural human languages that they didn't know? Maybe it was to show the Jerusalem church that the gospel was to be preached to all nations, and it was not just for the Jews. Remember, the Jews thought this was all for them. And God had to show them, no, it is for all the nations of the earth. Maybe another reason why they spoke in those human languages is to spread the gospel to all ethnic groups that were present in Pentecost at that time. And by the way, Pentecost was a massive festival. People would travel for days and weeks to come and be there. And so here you would have these unbelievers hearing the good things that God has done, the gospel, in their own languages, And you know what probably happened? That became a massive evangelism explosion as all those people went back to their homelands, their home countries, and began to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. So maybe that is why the Lord did it. But I wanna say that this is important. This is the only time, the only occasion in God's Word where tongues were heard as an earthly language. The only time. Thereafter, Tongues was demonstrated by the speaking of an unknown heavenly language. I also want to say, I believe you could be ministering in a foreign nation and suddenly you in Russia, and next thing you start to speak in tongues, and it sounds like Vlovdinovstra Perestroika, I don't know what all, you know. It starts to sound <laughs> don't quote me on that one. <laughs> And maybe you start to speak in Russian. You've never spoken in Russian. And on this ministry trip, God just speaks that through you. Praise God. Let's be open to that. But by and large, it seems that nowadays, when we speak in tongues, it is a heavenly language. It is an unknown language that God flows through us. And I want to tell you that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is supposed to generate that gift of tongues. I've discovered that many people who have not received the flow of tongues in their lives, they always tend to doubt whether they've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But those who have tongues flowing in their lives, they never seem to doubt the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Peter, when he began to see some of the Gentiles experiencing the outpouring of the Spirit for the first time and that they spoke in tongues, Peter said, because of that, we know now that God has chosen to pour out His Spirit, not only on the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. In other words, tongues is a sign that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues will give you the assurance that you are truly filled with the Spirit. And so I want to say to you folks, be baptized in the Holy Spirit and also receive the gift of tongues. God wants to give it. At the same time when the baptism takes place. And I want to tell you, I'm convinced that tongues is for every single believer. Because it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. Any believer can do that. And in my name, they will speak with other tongues. Church of Jesus Christ, could we just be child hearted? Could we just be simple in our faith and say, well, if God says it's for me, yes, I take it as for me. Come on, tell the person next to you, don't get quiet right now. Tell them that, don't get quiet. It's for me. And don't forget the Apostle Paul said the following. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So if it was so vital to the Apostle Paul Surely, it should be important to you and I. Now, briefly, very briefly, the definition of the gift of interpretation of tongues, it is the divine ability to interpret a heavenly unknown language spoken by another believer or even by oneself. Let me repeat that. Write it down, please. Interpretation of tongues is the divine ability To interpret a heavenly unknown language spoken by another believer or by yourself. And by the way, just to say, it is not the translation of tongues. It is the interpretation of tongues. So it's not like every little syllable being spoken is a word that must be translated. No, it is the interpretation. So somebody might speak in tongues for 30 seconds. And the interpretation might be given for two minutes, and that's not a problem. Because what is happening when somebody is speaking in tongues, there is an impartation that the interpreter receives and then begins to share that. But it is the interpretation of tongues, not the translation of tongues. And as I'm drawing to a close, I want to say, well, but what is the big idea behind tongues? And... In terms of specifically the interpretation of tongues, what is the big idea behind all of it? And it is so that tongues can be understood by everybody who is in the meeting or in the life group meeting, that it can be understood and that people can know what has been said and be edified as a result. Right there, there it is in a nutshell. So that we can understand, know, and be blessed by it. And when someone gives a specific utterance in tongues, maybe in your life group, maybe in a meeting, it should be followed according to Scripture by an interpretation of tongues. Else, it's only a blessing to the person who spoke the tongue. But when it is interpreted, it can be a blessing to everyone. And I wanna say this, my last statement, that if an interpretation is truly from God, then it will cause the church to be encouraged, inspired, and blessed. And so this brings us to the end of our focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can we thank the Lord for all that He has done through this series? Come on, a little bit louder. We bless you, Lord.